Well, this morning, we're in our series entitled, Lost. Lost. Um, and, um, you know, in Luke 15, it's our foundation passage, and there, last week I shared with you some revelation on this, and I've never, I've never preached in this passage the way I did last Sunday and the way I am today and the rest of this month. Um, but <clears throat> I talked about and I read about the, the, the three lost categories is, is the way I uh, defined it last week. There's the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And I talked about last week that those are three categories of people that are not either born again or not connected to God or on fire for God. When I say on fire, I'm talking about having a passion to serve God. You're either, you're, you either have passion for God or you're in one of these three categories. You either have a passion for God or you're in one of these three categories. At least I believe that's true. I always saw all three of these stories as just people that were not born again, but that's, that's not true. The, the, the sheep here, in, in the first seven verses, the story of the lost sheep, the sheep was in the fold. He was in the church. He was connected and he strayed. And I don't know anybody that's ever been a part of anything that there came a time in their life when they were straying. They get discouraged. They get frustrated. They, things aren't happening and they don't sense things the way they did when they, when they were first part of, of a fold of whatever, whether it's the church or I don't care if it's a job, family, I don't care what it is, a group, some social organization or whatever, you can start off with a bang and be excited and then get discouraged. And, and in your mind, you stray. Um, <clears throat> there is, there, there has, I believe, never been a time in the history of the world because things evolve and over time, things increase in a lot of different ways. But I, I believe we live in a time where in, in, the, in the social media and social highway and information highway that there is out there, there's so much coming against all of our minds Amen. all the time that if we're not busy guarding our minds, I'm, I'm talking about all the time, regularly, you, you will be overrun and overcome. And, and literally, on a day-to-day -day basis, you will be defeated if you're not overcoming all of the thoughts and the information that your head is bombarded with. If I did a... You know, if, if I ask you in here... How many of you listen to the Word of God in some form or another 
throughout the day on a daily basis, what, what kind of response do you think that I would get in here today? I'm talking about where you purposely turn something on, whether you're totally listening to it. I mean, you know, you, you know a lot of people just have their TVs on just playing. And, and it's, it's been a real custom in this nation to have a TV on and have the news playing. You know, whether it's early morning news or midday news or it's internet news or it's this news or that news, news is playing all the time. If you walk in a department store and TVs are on, a lot of times CNN or Fox News or something like that is playing. There's, there's something going all the time in people's lives. So I ask you this question, how many of you today, and, and I, I don't want a hand raised or I don't want any responses, but how many of you today would say that you listen to at least 30 minutes a day of the Word in some form or another. I'm not just talking about music. I'm not talking about Christian music. That's, that's okay. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of the icing. You know, it's good, and you need it. But you need to be listening to Word being preached. See, faith in God comes by hearing the Word being preached, and then hearing inside of here comes by the Holy Spirit revealing to you, as you're paying attention, the things that you're hearing. See, just hearing somebody preach something's not enough. If it was, we'd all be spiritual giants if we just played messages. Then it's the Holy Spirit showing you personally how it relates to you what you're listening to. So let's just say everybody in here Listen to 30 minutes of preaching every day. So the next question is, how much time during the day are you listening to everything else? The answer to that question is 23 and a half hours. That's why, if you're going to go to bed with something on, play the Word. I mean, you can have your TV on. There's all kinds of Christian stations with Word being preached. Go to sleep with listening to it. You say, well, you know, what does that matter? I'm not even paying attention because your spirit man's being ministered to that. See, your spirit does not embrace Fox News. Your head does, but not your spirit. Your spirit embraces Word. And your spirit and your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, are in a battle for your body. Oh man, I just can't stop doing that. I just can't get victory over that. I've tried to lay that thing down and I can't. I tried not to do this thing and I can't. I tried this and that and it just, I, I, I know I shouldn't say that, but I do. Your soul and your spirit are in a battle for your body. Something's going to control. And what's going to control is determined by you based on how much you're listening to of certain things. Just a plain fact. You can say, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. Well, you need to get sure about it. Because the more sure you are of that, the more you'll protect what goes in your ears and what goes in your eyes. You'll protect it. 
I have to say, after all the years that I've been born again, I'm more conscious of that all the time. The other night, we were, we were watching a, a movie at our house. And I mean, it was a good movie. It was a good storyline, you know. Not a lot of junk and stuff in the movie, you know, but, but it had a storyline. And when I was through watching the movie, I was just, I don't know, I was just troubled. It was just, and like I said, it wasn't a bad movie. It was a good storyline. But, but I was troubled. And in the night, about 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And, and I mean, I was, boom, I was tormented in my mind with something. And, and it took me, I don't know, a little while, just praying in the Spirit and casting those thoughts down that were coming against my mind. And I'm thinking, where did all that come from? And the Spirit of the Lord just said to me, it came through that movie. And I said, it wasn't a bad movie. I don't watch bad movies. It wasn't a bad movie. But it had a storyline that did, it, did not exalt the name of Jesus. And it, and it just troubled me. I, I, I'm just giving you an example. I didn't say you have to quit watching movies if you're going to serve God. I'm just saying something troubled me, okay? And I don't like it when I'm troubled like that. And I want to get to the root of that. So what it's going to do, what, what, what is it going to do? If I'm, if I'm sensitive, it's going to make me even more aware of what I watch all the time. And I just get, I get stronger with that and stronger and stronger all the time. You know why? Because <clears throat> I want to be in a place where I'm in control of myself, that I'm living on top of situations, that my body is doing what my spirit man is telling it to and not just what my, my soul feels like doing. So that, there's a purpose in this, not just so I can be all that, so that I can be effective for the lost. See, because in a way, in that situation, okay, if I don't pay attention to that warning sign, what's going to happen? When you, when you get troubled, the flesh wants to find easy street and comfort zones. You know? And <clears throat> let, let's just say that <clears throat> a comfort zone to Brian here is uh, watching espionage movies and so he watches one and he gets troubled so he needs to find comfort from the trouble so he watches another born or another MI 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 or whatever and it's a Mission Impossible trilogy all night long because I'm looking for a comfort place. You know what I'm saying? Because we're, we're, we're made to find an answer. And so we're looking, but a lot of times, if we don't pay attention to what our spirit man senses about something, okay, then we're going to look, we're going to look for that comfort or that easy street or, or that, that way out of something in the wrong places. 
The only thing that will liberate your life is God, His Word, and His Spirit. That's it. It's the only thing. Now, you've got to know God, you've got to understand His Word and how the Word works, and you have to understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is. We're talking about the lost. But the lost won't be found by lost people. And if the lost here are not just people that are not born again, but people that are straying, or people that are in pride, and all about themselves as the son was that we read a little bit about last Sunday, the son, which is the the third lost category, of someone that's in pride and thinks, well, you know, I've been born again for two years. I can handle all this kind of stuff. I can do this, that, and the other. I don't need any more of this and that, and I'm on my way. Not realizing that your connection to the house and to something that's bigger than you are is what is propelling and causing success in your life to arise. And if we forget those things, and, and we're not planted in the house in that way, we can't be effective for other people because you're not convinced you won't make other people convinced if that's the will of God. Jesus said, Jesus out of his own mouth said, I'm building my church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And I'm telling you, Jesus is all about the lost. Amen? He's about people. And he's about lost people. And I'm saying, we either have a passion for God where we're developing in our life an awareness of His Word and the benefits of His Word, an awareness of the person of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit walks, or we're in one of these three lost categories. And at different times in our life, we might find ourselves straying, getting in pride and thinking more highly of ourselves than we should and don't need all this other thing. At different times in our walk with God, we can find ourselves in those places. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need, like what we have going really strong in this body right now, that's why we need connect groups. That's why we need connections and relationships and development of relationships with one another. Because it's not enough just to see each other here and shake hands and hear the word. It's important, but it's not enough. And we need, on a day-to-day basis in our lives, we need the connection that causes us to be able to overcome when the potential in our minds to stray is there. As I just tell you this, I have to say that in, uh, how long have I been saved? 38 years, 30, almost 39 years, right? February to be 39 years I've been saved. I was two when I got born again. <clears throat> no. Um, 39 years almost I've been saved. And of those 39 years, most of my days, most of the days that I lived could potentially be rotten. Very few days in 39 years were days where everything was just good. But I made my days good. I'm going to bring every thought captive. I'm going to shut the thoughts down wake up feel like you've been run over by a train you know in your head no i'm shutting it down not giving that thing any place see and i just have to say i've had very few really bad days 
but most of my days potentially starting out had the potential to be horrible. And I believe it's potentially that way with maybe most people. Maybe you said, no, you know, every day has been great. So whatever, you know. I'm just saying it hadn't been the way with me. I guess I had a lot up here to deal with and to bring under and get under control. And God wants you and I liberated so we can help the lost. We don't need to be a lost casualty. We don't need to be hanging out in the lost categories. We need to be on the journey of and the progression of liberation and freedom day to day so we're able to help those that are out there. And then we have the passion of ministering life to people. And I tell you what, when you have that, you have the rest of your life. Because that's what you were created for. Most people trying to find themselves. I heard a guy one day, uh, I saw him at, a, at Starbucks years ago. And uh, I said, man, I haven't seen you in a while. I've been gone for a year or so. So what have you been doing? I've been trying to find myself. I was looking at him. I said, oh, really? Yeah, I went to some of the country and some jungle somewhere trying to find himself in a jungle, you know. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, and, and, I, and I, I'm just saying, go to a jungle led by the Holy Ghost, you see, because God told you to go, not to find yourself. You know where you find yourself? In becoming free and then living your life for the lost. That's where you find yourself. I was, years ago, I was, well, we lived in McAllen on, on the border. We did a lot of ministry. Our church did a lot of ministry into Mexico, down in, especially down into Ciudad Victoria and farther in on the border there. And, and uh, we used to drive in there at different times. And <clears throat> some of the ministry was so rich in those places. I mean, it'd be middle of summer. We'd be in some little Puebla and a little church with, no AC and, you know, dirt floors and windows open and churches packed out and you're just pouring sweat, ministering the word to these people. And, 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 and yet, the ministry to those people and the way they were so hungry for the word, it was like, if I let myself, I could just get lost there <laughs> and never come out of there. Because I was so focused on the hunger of the people. Well, I'm telling you right now, right here in Kerrville, Texas, there are hungry people that don't even know it. And, and, and if you listen to my series on Wednesday night, Having Faith for Others, see, people didn't know. The woman with the issue of blood that wasted all of her money with surgeons and doctors and stuff for 12 years, in a year period of time of listening to Jesus, she didn't just like hear somebody say, you ought to go try this guy over here. He's telling a bunch of good things. No, she was listening to him. And you know, what, you know what impressed her and everybody else? You know what impressed her? Is that he believed what he was saying. He believed it. And the fact that he believed it caused her faith level to rise. And what did he tell her? Your faith has made you whole. But listen, it wasn't just her faith. It was the fact that he was in faith. That's how we help the lost, is us being in faith, built up and strong, and able, able to have what other people need that are lacking. 
See, but if we're always lacking and we're always the one with the problem and the, and, and the need, I'm not saying you won't have issues and problems throughout your whole life. Like I said, I can't, I mean, I can't I, I probably just count on my hands and, and, and feet days that were just perfect days every day. The potential for horrible is there every day. It's what I choose to do. Life and death in my life is in my choice and what I choose to say and what I choose to do with it. Every day. I choose life. How about you? Amen? Amen. I choose the lost. Life is not about me. Life is not about you. The world you live in is not centered around you, even though you may think so. Life is about God. And God is about us. And so, for me, to be flowing with God on a day-to-day basis, I've got to be about you, people. And you have to be about the world the same way. We've got to learn to be that way, because once you get that, then you're just, all the things in your life become secondary. And that's when all the things in your life get met, because you're giving out. Don't raise your hand when I ask you this question, but how many of you have ever felt disqualified to help the lost because you have a problem? I don't know anybody at one time or another that's not felt that way. Well, I haven't done enough of this. Well, I haven't done this right. Well, my marriage isn't right. Well, my finances are not right. Well, you know, I've been ailing in my body. How could I pray for someone else? Those are the best times. Some of the best times to be there for other people is sharing with people what you know is true. Even when you don't see it working. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've sat people across my desk or I've ministered something to somebody over the phone or whatever and and I was going through a turmoil and my situation was answered as I was ministering to someone else. I can't tell you how many times through the years that's happened. And listen, you don't have to look very far. Well, if I, you know, go out and try to... No, no, you don't have to look far. Just like your next-door neighbor. Hmm? Maybe 100 feet. <laughs> you don't have to look far for finding somebody that's lost in one form or another in these categories. So, I want you to, I want you to think about two things today. I want to drive this point home after my long introduction right there. Um, So, let's just read a little bit of, of Luke 15 as we did last week. It says, All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. It's two groups of people that just absolutely loved Jesus. Children and sinners. Say this after me. Jesus is the answer. (laughs) So if He is the answer, then He has the answer. And wouldn't you be drawn to the answer if you got a bunch of problems? And the Pharisees and scribes the religious people of the day, the prideful people of the day, started saying all kinds of things. This man receives sinners and he eats with them. 
So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And you know, it it has the appearance there that the 99 are not important. It's just we got to always be running after the one. No, no, that's not the case. See, if you don't need help, that means that you can be a helper. If you're not in a needy position, then you can be in a place of helping others in their need. So if not only, if, if, if he went after the one, if the 99 are going after one also, how effective is that? And that's the situation I believe, this is a picture of the church here. The house doesn't just sit there and wait for the one to come back. The house is busy with all the ones. Because there's some straying people out there that are hurting. And, and what, what, I, what I see here is that what is really demonstrated in this category is unselfishness. Unselfishness. And one of the things that is unselfish is that it takes time to go search for one. It takes time to spend time with one to help them be willing to be put on the shoulders and brought back into the fold. It takes time. So it's an unselfish act when you are after one in helping them to come back to the fold. Remember, this is not talking about somebody that's not born again. It's talking about somebody that was apart and they strayed. And where do we stray? Right here. We stray in our thinking first. Then when we stray in our thinking, we, it causes us to stray in our actions. Same way. Um, if a body of believers are not concerned about other people, the Bible's real clear in Galatians 5 that the body will self-destruct. You'll be consumed by each other when you're not concerned about other people. This thing has been a passion in me. It's something deep in my heart. When I was first born again and for a number of years, and especially till I moved to this city, my whole life in ministry, I mean, I owned, I worked jobs and then I owned a business for five or six years before I came here. And my whole time was spent evangelistically with other people. And everywhere I went, you know, you, you know, I, I could minister to a door, and they'd get born again. Because, I mean, it was just, it was just that was me. That was the way I was. And I got here, and I got involved in the church world and ministry and, and, and the, the organization of the church, and it began to, de- I let it deplete me from that mentality. And over time, it created a lot of confusion on the inside of me because my passion is people and I got wrapped up in the organizational part of it and had to get free of all that. 
which I'm free of it today, thank God. But I've had this passion and, and these messages that I've been sharing with you since July on and off in regards to the lost and people is the heartbeat. It's the heartbeat of God. It's God's heartbeat. It's not just people being saved. It's not just people being born a second time. That's, it's not just that. That's the beginning. Then it's raising people up. Uh, Jesus and Michelle, Jesus is here today, Michelle's still resting, had, their, had little baby Samuel this, was, how long has it been now? Two weeks? Almost? Yeah, almost two weeks. And uh, tell you more about it later, but when he was born, there was some complications just on the day that he was born, some complications. And those the, the complications could have been ugly, and they could have been bad. But because they're planted in the house, and because they're tithers, you see, because they believe the Word of God, little baby Samuel's home today, and he's doing well, and he's rejoicing. Amen? And, and, and it's not enough to give birth to the child. Whatever comes, you deal with it, and you attack it, and you stand strong, and we're victorious. Amen? Everybody say, everybody say this after me. The Bible doesn't say that stuff don't happen. It's bad English, but you got it. Hmm? Stuff sometimes happens. The world uses other words. I have bumper stickers with it. But I'm telling you, stuff happens. Hmm? Things happen on a day-to-day basis, and it's our choice whether we make the day the way God made it for us, or we allow circumstances to get the best of us. And I tell you today, there's a lot of lost people that are being overtaken. The suicide rate in America is the highest it's ever been. Probably people sitting right here today that have contemplated suicide in your mind at different times. I did. All my growing up before I was born again. I used to think about what it would be like and what people would say at my funeral. I wonder if they'd say I was a good guy. Oh, we miss him. I mean, I was just like 15. I used to wonder what people would say at my funeral. That's stupid. But that's from the devil. And any thought that anybody's ever had about suicide, that's not you. That is not you. You're created in the image of God. Whether you're born again or not, you're created in His image, and those are not thoughts of God. I promise you. And don't think you're a bad person because you had a thought like that. Well, if you've ever had a thought like that, you know, God doesn't... I mean, I've had people say all kinds of crazy things. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Amen? And every day... No matter what comes to your mind, you don't have to receive it. You reject it. You bring every thought captive to the obedience of what Christ says is so, and that's the way it is. And the more you do it, that's the way it'll be every day of your life. Death and life for my life are in the power of what I say. And what I say better be as a result of what I'm bringing captive in my thoughts. Because if I say just how I feel, if I say just the way it looks like, if I say just what appears to be certain things, then you're going to have what you say. And there's a lot of things that 
that you could say you don't want to have. I want to have what God says is so. Can you say amen? We're here for the lost, and we've got to get these things in line. But a body that won't do that will self-destruct because you'll just be about yourself. Well, you're not doing this for me. Well, why, is, why didn't the church ever think about me? Why didn't anybody? Pastor never shakes my hand. I mean, I've walked by him three times. He didn't shake my hand. Yeah, I was ignoring you. I don't know anybody in here that I would ignore. I mean, I like to shake. I mean, I'd shake everybody's hand. Huh? I mean, just find people's hands, shake them, hmm? shake them. There's something about a touch, right? There's something about touching people. It's good. It's healthy, right? Shake someone's hand. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore somebody on purpose. Have you ever thought that? You don't know me. Huh? I'd never do that, ever. But all kinds of things. See, you, you begin to self-destruct when you're thinking about yourself instead of thinking about out there. I mean, in here is good, and we're taking care of those kind of things through connect groups and, and, and developing I don't, I don't want a church with just got programs. I want, I want a place where people are interacting and we're getting to know each other in spite of each other. You know, that's what's good about these connect groups. You know, if you went and signed up, well, let's see, they're, they're too old and they're too young. And they're, no, man, get right in the middle of the old and the young. Right? And just mesh. There's things that older people have that younger people need, and there's things that older people could learn from younger people if they just be open. And, and where, where in the world are you ever going to learn how to do that unless you connect? Right? And how can we be there for lost people when we're lost in our thinking? Amen? And the next little category here, and I'll end with this for today, and next week we'll look at the parable of the lost son, is the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner, one lost person, Who's been found? Do you know that every human being originated from God? The Bible says, the Bible says He had a plan for us before we were. So if He had a plan for me before I was, then where was I? I was with God. And I was released to my parents. So, when you get born again, you get found. <laughs> you weren't lost to God. You got found in yourself. If you're sitting here today, you've been born once. Born again is being born a second time, spiritually. And if we're born again a second time, then we can begin to get free of all of the weird stuff. You know... <clears throat> I mean, when, when, I, when I got saved, I came, I came out of just some stuff that I just had acquired. I was about 18 years old, and I, and I acquired stuff 
in my life, and I just kind of came out of it over time, just a little bit here and there, over stuff. But there was things up here that were even more difficult. The natural things, the drugs or alcohol or things like that, that, that was one thing. But the stuff up here was even more difficult for me. And, uh, you know, through the years, I've been around people that, some people that had such a grace mentality that there was never anything wrong and that just enabled people to think that they could just get away with anything that they wanted to and God forgave them. Well, God forgave us before you've ever did anything. Before you ever did anything wrong in your life or, or the next thing that you could do wrong in your life, He's already forgiven you. You're already forgiven. That's settled. But there's some types of messages that I heard in years past that for some reason people heard it in a different way. It didn't matter what I do, and God forgives me, and I can keep doing those things. Like there's a license for that. But on the other side of the coin, there was people that talked about, you know, getting rid of this and getting rid of that. And we need to stop this in our community. And we need to, we need to go pick at the bars, you know, so they won't, so, so the, all the people quit uh, going to bars. So we're going to pick at the bars and we're going to, you know, uh, go to city council and get them to shut them down. Or I mean, you know, p- people, I had, a, I had a guy one time, a pastor, he wanted me to go out in front of the, the, um, the bazaar that they were having at the Catholic Church and he wanted me to hold up pit, picket signs against the Catholic Church because they were selling beer. <laughs> And, man, they had all kinds of rides there and stuff, and our kids were little. And I said, man, I'm going to be over there. <laughs> I said, my kids love the rides. We're going to be at the bazaar, you know. And, he said, and so, you know, we show up at the bazaar, and there he's out there with a handful of people, and they got picket signs against the Catholic Church and all these sayings and how God's going to destroy the Catholic Church and all this kind of stuff, you know. I was waving at it. And... <laughs> and and, and, and I was thinking, I was thinking, I mean, have you ever read about, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody here is born in the 20s and 20s, but the prohibition. And, and there was a lady, there was a Christian lady, and I think her name was, gosh, what was her name? Real strange name. But in the early 1900s, she took it on herself in the name of God to start going in and destroying all of the supply of bars. Any place that sold liquor or whatever. Whatever this lady's name was. Anybody remember? Yeah, Carrie Nation. That's it, right? Yeah, Carrie Nation was her name. Oh, thank you. And, um, and so she started doing that and she went through and she felt like it was God telling her to do this and so as a result of that it wasn't right she died before the prohibition started but they ratified the I think the 18th amendment for the prohibition to not sell alcohol and before that happened before that happened crime and all this stuff was at a certain level and when the prohibition started in the 20s Crime went through the roof. Um, all the, the mafia and, the, and, and, and all the underground groups started, in, like in Chicago and New York and different places. The prisons filled up 
Why? Because they came against something that the people wanted. I, I was shocked when the group came to Shriner College about human trafficking and said there's 22 million people sold in human trafficking, mostly women. 22 million. Why? Because people want it. There was, a different, there was another time in the 1700s when what we call the Reformation. And bars during the Reformation shut down by the droves. And the Reformation was the teaching of God's Word and the move of the Spirit of God that caused whole cities to get born again in America right at the beginning of, the United, uh, of, this, of this great country, right before the beginning of this great country. Whole cities got born again. Power of God moved and people laid this down and laid that down. People that had been drunks for years got sober. You know what the answer to the world out there is that I get fixed and I am concerned about someone that's lost and I see them get born again and made a disciple of Jesus Christ and you know what? Things change. Stuff change. Stuff falls off. Things stop. This stops. That stops. This thing, that thing. I'm just telling you today, if one of the most horrible videos I've ever watched in my life is the video of an abortion. I've never seen anything like it. Ever. But I'm telling you today, if people want abortions, they're going to get them. And the only way to stop something like that is to change people's thinking. And you know, that's kind of a hard word. Maybe you're sitting here today and you don't necessarily agree with me on that. It doesn't matter if you've had an abortion or anything else. I'm just telling you today, the world is waiting for the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. What did he say? I will build my church. He called me His. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. What do gates do? They keep people out and they keep people in. And the gates of hell will not keep me out of the presence of God and the gates of hell will not keep me locked into bondage. It will not. Mm -mm. They will not prevail against us. We've been called to disciple people and to love people and to accept people just like they are. And you won't be able to do that and treat them the way Jesus did. Jesus was never, he never compromised his moral convictions in the people that he ministered to. But who loved him? The sinners and the kids. The non-believers and the kids are the ones that loved him.
And he never one time compromised his moral conviction. So what does that mean? He spent 30 years developing truth of God to establish a moral conviction that would not be compromised. You and I can do the same thing. In all the people that we minister to, no matter what their issues are, no matter where they're at, all we got, the only thing that will cause them to make changes in their life is the love of God, nothing else. You can hammer them to no end. You can chase them down and try to make them stop this, that, and the other. You know what? It's been proven. It doesn't work. Same way in the Reformation. I mean, in, in the Prohibition. Same way today in all the things, you know, we tried to stop human trafficking and all these kind of things. And I'm not saying all, all the groups that are, are against human trafficking stay with it. But individually, as a whole, you say, you know, what can ministering to the people that are sitting right here, what, what can that accomplish? I'm telling you, it can accomplish much. <laughs> it can accomplish much. And what if everybody else has the same attitude all over the planet? Over 60,000 people a day are getting born again around the world, around the world. 60,000 people a day are getting saved. Don't let anybody tell you anything about any other organization or, you know, some group of people, this, that, or the other. You know, you, you, if, you, if you spend all your time focusing about being against something and being negative about something, you're not, you're not going to be able to be aware of what God's telling you to do in, in, a, in a purposeful way and a productive way going after another individual. How much time do you spend asking God how to minister to somebody that's on your heart? If you have a Muslim friend, everybody say, thank God for the Muslims. Are you supposed to say that? Yeah. They were created in the image of God. Whether they're born again or not. Listen, God didn't create half of, half of humanity and the devil the other half. He created them all. So, Instead of trying to change a Muslim friend that you have, find out about his life and what they think and just be prepared. But first, first, you have to love them. Man, and I tell you what, it's been hard. It's been hard for me to overcome mental situations and attitudes that I might have against someone else that's done something bad like, you know, what 9-11 represents. Somebody from some other country that, that is part of so supposedly somebody that blew up our, our towers and then you have an attitude towards those people, all those people. We've got to be here for humanity and we've got to help people. And if we do that, we don't self-destruct, we multiply and we multiply and we keep multiplying and we keep having answers and we keep letting Jesus who is the answer and become the answer in us, be answer for other people. It's what God created us for in the name of Jesus.